Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, we um, 15 now. Part 15. Part 15. And uh, choose deliverance. Do you really know who you are? Why are you staying entangled in bondage with the things that you've been going through? Why are you so in prison of the enemy? Why have you not allowed yourself to be free? You know, to suffer the way how you suffer, you have made a choice. To go through tormenting mind that you're going through is the choice that you made. So in life, we make choices. And the choice that we make, God will not even fight with us because we are free moral agents. And that's the reason why I love God, don't you? Is that he will not force you to do what you don't feel like doing. So <clears throat> I want to show you something here. The limit of the obligation not to live after the fresh. Men live after the fresh when our lives in the fresh are made the chief object of care. We are not obliged to do this by any divine law when allow carnal indulgence to, to interfere with Christian duties when we decline boldly suffering in the cause and at the call of God. When a carnal, carnal police in the conduct of life guides us, the difficult of the obligation, we shall find the fresh so tyrannical that to keep within the actual limit of responsibility is not an easy matter. To modify the deeds of the body becomes an essential duty. This modification is Christianity in motive, spiritual, and gradual in consum consuma consummation. Consummation. Well, sometimes some of these words are mouthful, right? <laughs> this modification is the test of um, the spirituality of mind and the fruit of the productive work of the Spirit of God. We must seek deliverance in our lives to understand God's purpose and will. Now, I do counsel a lot of people, and they'll come and say, I've been suffering from this issue. That's why <clears throat> our podcast title is known as The Issues of Life. Because we are dealing with issues every day. We're dealing with issues of people maybe trying to direct them, to help them, to find the reason why they can be victorious, overcomer. You know, I heard one man, he says, uh, we are blessed going out, we are blessed coming in. We the head only, not the tail. We are above only, not beneath. Uh, we, are we are overcomers. Now, you know, I've... I always ask people, where are you? What do you think caused this? Some of them have come to me and say, I'm very angry. My husband has done nothing, but I don't even like him. And sometimes I feel like, pour hot water on him. I say, oh my God, that's a demon. And uh, I've also helped men who says, I don't know. You know, I don't just feel comfortable anymore with my wife. I says, well, you need deliverance. 
as some have said, I don't know. At my workplace, I, I don't like people that I work with them. I, you know, there's some people when I see them, I wish they're not leaving. Now, that's witchcraft there. Who are you not to wish someone not to leave like you created anybody? You know, that's very dangerous when you, you find yourself, you're in that level whereby you don't appreciate a person whom you don't know. Probably you have never seen. You're jealous of them. You must know that that's a demonic force. And some people, they would just start telling tales, spreading lies about somebody whom they don't know. Now, here's something that I want to let you know. This mortification is the test of spirituality of the mind and the fruit of the productive work of the spirit of God. We must seek deliverance in our lives to understand God's purpose and will. It's very, very important. Salvation is not only a work for us, but in us, the great helper. We are not let we are not left to ourselves, but a helping prize, our activity, this proclaims the energy and the reality of the spiritual life. Believers are not debtors to the fresh. Hey, I wish you can as you listen to this podcast, you can say I am not a debtor to the fresh. You know, the fresh doesn't own me. You can control everything that is happening. The believers are not from the relationship of the fresh. The fresh is no part of our, our, our original nature, nor from interest, only misery and death ever to re- to be ripped from it. So, I want you to see this. Galatians, Paul, I love Paul, man. Paul is my my man, he's my leader, my spiritual advisor. Many of them in the Bible. There's, I can't say anything. But Paul, he says things that um, they always calls me to check my life, to go and inspect my life and uh, you know, to just have an aggression work over in my life. He says, uh, you know, he speaks these words in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. He says, Whoever souls to praise their fresh from the fresh will reap destruction. Man, that's very serious. Whoever souls to please their fresh from the fresh will reap what? Destruction. But whosoever souls to praise the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Isn't that something? (laughs) You know why we needed to choose deliverance. So, we are debtors to the body, God's creature, but not to the flesh, which is Satan's production. We are debtors to the body to satisfy its wants, not the fresh to gratify its last. That's very important. So, as you go through this, I want you to understand deliverance from the world. What does God want? Why does God want me to be delivered from the things of the world? All right. 
First John chapter 2 verse 15 clearly states this very, very openly. He says, do not love the world, all the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I want the love of the Father to be in me. I want the love of the Father to be completely availed in my life. Now, the question comes, what's the love of the world? Okay, I tried to explain a little bit in uh, part 13. That's why it's important to follow this podcast because you miss something. It's a series that we try to walk with you to understand and comprehend, make you access and comprehend the truth that is there. You know, someone, I read a book, it says the facts can be bent, but the truth remains forever true. <laughs> so we try to open up to you to know the truth. Excessive, what is the love of the world? Well, I would say excessive affection from the mere things of the world must not always coexist with the love of God. That which is of the earth is earthly and cannot be made to incorporate with that which is heavenly. So there's no way how you can mix uh, the things of this earth and the things of God. It will never work. It's impossible. Then Jesus Christ did not look at the outside of man. He looked at humanity as the act of producing something from his Father, God is Father. You know, Jesus, that's why he kept on saying, the Father and I, if you've seen the Father, you have seen me. So the Father and I, we are one. So Jesus produced or showed us or taught us the love of the Father. He saw in it, he saw it in its priceless worth and died for it not for its relations to him of friendliness, kindness, love, saves, beauty, or use, but for its intrinsic worth that is the way to love humanity, not because it saves us, not because it is present to us, not because it is friendly to us. That is a tiny thing. <clears throat> How sour men get by and by who love it on that account, all right? The faithful Christian never falters in his high faith in and deep love for humanity because he sees it and loves it as Jesus Christ did not concerning himself but for its intrinsic character and the value in the eyes of God. Now, when do we love the world too much as the children of God? Those are the questions that we always ask ourselves because you find, you know, sometimes I'm so confused when I visit different churches. You know, uh, the kind of way how in some churches they are. I heard of uh, one worship leader who reprimanded the church lead people and said, you know, 
everyone who comes to sing here, I want you to come with jeans and jeans that have holes and uh, shirts of that have this and that. Then I said, man, oh God, what is that? Is the, the church, has it become a nightclub? And some of the dances that I see in the church, you wonder, do they provoke the fresh? Do they provoke the sensuality in our lives? Why do we do that? You know, and uh, I hear people use this in a kind of way. If David danced, I would dance like David danced. Were you there? Did you see David? I believe David when he danced. You know, he danced in a pure and a holy way. If you've been to Israel, there's a kind of um, a spiritual and biblical dance. And I think that's the way how David danced. You know, I think contemporary is very good, but he has sometimes uh, the contemporariness that he has come into the church is almost close to the new age, you know, whereby people, they do things that uh, are truly out of, way out of order. You know, I, I wanted to be in the church where there's purity, there's holiness, there's goodness, even as we enjoy the presence of God, as we have the freedom to worship the Lord, to dance for the Lord, to rejoice for the Lord. Because some of the things, what do they remind you? You know, do they remind you back in the days when you used to go in the night clubs or what, you know, some of the songs they may remind us, the songs that we heard, maybe it was completely drafted out of a nightclub, and then we change the lyrics and we put the words of God. Go to God not give you the words to sing a good song. So, when do we love the world too much as a child of God? All right, here comes the answer. When, for the sake of any profit or pressure, we willfully and knowingly and deliberately transgress the commandment of God and become openly and habitually wicked and vicious and live addicted sensuality of indulgence, intemperance, fraud, extortion, and injustice. That is the love of God, according to the definition of Dr. David Shemin. <laughs> according to my definition, all right? <laughs> all right, according to the definition of David Shemin. When we take more pains to obtain and secure the conveniences of this life than to qualify ourselves for the rewards of the next when do we love the world too much as children of God? Why do we need deliverance? When we cannot be contented and patient and resigned under law or inconvenient circumstances, when we cannot part with anything that we possess to those who want it, deserve it, and have a right to it. When do we love the world too much? When we envy those who are more fortunate? Listen, don't envy someone for what they got because you don't know the trouble that they went through to get that. And they don't hate them for what they have because you don't know what they went through. 
I had someone who came one time. He says, I hate that couple there. I said, well, you hate them. I said, they are so proud. I said, have you ever spoken to them? No, I can't. I said, have you ever greeted them? No, I can't. I said, what do you do all that for? He says, because even when you see them, how they're walking, the cars that they drive, the house that... I said, I think, my friend, you're the one who is in the wrong. Because those people, they probably they don't know about who you are and what you think, and they, you have just, you know, lumped them in something that is wrong. That's to me, is very, very dangerous because uh, we accuse a person who have done nothing. When we envy those who have more fortunate and more favored by the world than we are and cannot behold their success without ripping it, ripening it, when at the same time we can see others better and wiser and more religious if they are in the lower state than ourselves. Without the least uneasiness, without emulation and a desire to equal them, when do we love the world than we think? When we esteem and favor persons pure according to their birth, fortunes, success, we measure judgment and approval by their outward appearance of situations in life. You know, I don't care how much a person has or who he is or how many planes, are, how many jets, are, how many helicopters, what kind of a home, how much money he has. That's their blessing. And my job is to pray for them. My job is to appreciate how God blessed them. If I don't know them, I don't talk about them. If I talk about them, I'll talk what is good. They are not my competition. They are my compliments. I look at what they have, and I compliment how God has blessed them. So don't judge people by what they have. Just love them. When do we behave much more like the world? When we dislike and slight others only because the world favors them not, and that suffers affections, our judgment, and our behavior to be regulated by the notions and the customs of men, and indeed of the worst sort of men. Now, this question goes, why do we do that? When worldly prospect makes us pride, proud and vain, we expect to be greatly honored by others only because they have, they are placed beneath us. However, invaluable qualities may surpass us in other respects. And when we resent any minor failure of homage as an actual injury, when we omit no opportunity of enjoying the good things in this life, when our outstanding businesses and serious employment is to amuse ourselves till we contract an indifference for manly and irrational, rational occupation, deceiving ourselves and fancying that we are in self-condition because we are not so bad as several whom we could name, nor guilt of such as such vices 
with which the world abounds. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, are, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. So, in 16, I'm going to be speaking on choosing deliverance, why it's important, and how you can come out of those things. Please, I thank you that you're choosing deliverance from all these things. Shalom.